Good morning and welcome. This is Tevo Diarcy of Tevo Creative Leadership and the DFW Leader Ministry Fellowship for men and women, open to all, and with a direct word as we submit it to you with a sila form. That means pause and think about it, but not in dogma, religious dogma. Heard enough of that. Anyway, we're submitting our word to the Christian online, on air, and anyone else from another faith or belief set is certainly welcome, always respected fully, and totally uh, invited to evaluate and pray about. We are for the body of Christ. We're for the teammate concept, cross-denominational, sans, that means without in French. My name is French, Tavo Diarcy, but... It's without denomination, crossing denomination, as the Lord leads, as the leaders see fit. Ephesians, Common Doctrine, Chapter 4. And I teach about it through the eyes of the relationship, abiding in James 3.17, Relationship Theology. You know, when I heard that from the Lord based on a few years back, many years ago, I didn't know there was another relationship theology. I never thought of that. So I have the website, relationshiptheology.org and .com. Later, I've stumbled across there is one, but we're not that one. This is abiding relationship theology, abiding and enduring the quality of life, the quality of people relating <clears throat> in James 3.17 form, the spiritual fruit thereof. It says that the wisdom, that any wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. And to the best of my ability, I abide in that daily. I try to 24-7 and I always have. I come from a long line of believers with my father as a pastor who is mature, emotionally healthy, and he disrespected nobody. He was very respectful of all ages, of males and females, all colors, even though he came from the deep south. Ironically, of all places, because we're out here in the Metroplex, the giant country, <coughs> the wide area of DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, he came, my father came from Dallas, Georgia, which when I last saw it 30 years ago after his death or more, maybe more than like 40 years ago, it was the size of a postage stamp. I'd grown up hearing about Dallas, Georgia. That's where your dad grew up and didn't like to wear shoes. That's where uh, he he went on his Boy Scout hunting you know, trip when they'd gotten their new hatchet. And somebody, he was trying to cross a creek and another Boy Scout hacked his finger off. So he had a nub on his index, I think it was the left hand finger. And so there are many tales I would hear of Dallas Georgia. And when I went there following his death to see his mother, it was like, whoa, I missed it. <laughs> that was back then. We haven't been there since. But it was interesting how ironic that my father was the most unsung servant leader. Heart, pure heart, loving, smart, wise man. But now that he is up with the Lord, he left a deposit. And I'm going to get misty. Excuse me that reaches Dallas area, Fort Worth. He never would have thought it. When he died, it was quick and unexpected. We'd lived, he'd pastored in a little country town in a little rural area. Nobody knew his name, but when we had moved at the Lord's leading to the cosmopolitan area of Norfolk, Virginia, 
and Virginia Beach, where I spent my happy times as a teenager and middle schooler on up. When he died, it hit the airwaves. He died on a field trip with his fourth graders from the inner city, and he was in North Carolina walking up the Wright Memorial on a field trip, and he just walked into heaven. And his death, his unexpected death at 58, was all over the news up and down the East Coast in the Tidewater areas. And people came out of the woodwork. The, his unsung, not a famous celebrity, but pure-hearted life, abiding in James 3.17 and in 5 Ephesians 5.21 with my mother and everyone else. Mutual submission, mutual respect, and the fear of the Lord. All these people came out that his, whose lives he touched, the common everyday people. And that's what really matters to me in ministry, in real life, and getting ready to stand before the throne of God alone one day. It's not about appearances. There could have been a lot of, a lot of things said about appearances with me, with others, about color or not color, about fame, with about fortune, whatever, but it's not about that. It's about the Lord and abiding in the fear of the Lord, the holy terror of the Lord, but with real respect for the office of every human being, of every kind, of every faith, of every look, of every belief system, equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human being made in God's image. And I guess that's what my dad represented. Even though he didn't talk like that, he didn't think of that. But that's what I guess matters and really counts if you have a Christian ministry, if you're ordained or not ordained, if you go to church or you don't, if you're dulled down and washed out, <laughs> or if you're fired up <laughs> or pent up. I guess over here we're more like, even though I was raised Baptist and wasn't raised raw, apparently a lot, were, a lot more than I thought in the Christian ministry. I guess you'd say after I've met the Holy Ghost back in, when I was in college and, and saw that, you know, you don't have to beat anybody down about God's Holy Spirit. And it only can give you a, a boost and a comfort and a help you discern you can read about it in the book of Acts, or you can read about it in Jesus Christ's day as the prophecy, the Testament of Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, where it talks about the coming Messiah who would embody all of God's seven spirits, his major affecting spirits. And you can read about the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ would have the fear of the Lord. It would have the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might and counsel, spirit of might and power. Man, the spirit of might and power. Where's that today? In the legalism. He was not legalistic, but he had might and power, yet he wasn't a dominating ego. He wasn't a dominating human-formed God. He also respected all people. He wasn't a gossip or a tale-bearer in ministry. I say this to the Christians. You must be born-again Christians. Jesus Christ in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, it says he delighted himself with filled with all seven spirits of power and might and all the rest. He delighted himself in the fear of the Lord. Thus, he was 
of quick understanding. That means discerning perceiver in his prophetic office. You know, as well as he would not judge by the sight of his eyes. He would not accuse or judge by what he saw. It said he would not base decisions based on what he heard. He wouldn't believe the evil report ministry or gossip or tolerate gossip. That's my advice right there. Be like Jesus. Submit to God's whole counsel, not just the law. Today I felt impressed the Lord strong, <clears throat> strongly the Lord wants me to teach on discernment. Clarity of perception, of hearing from God, of being led by the Spirit. And I'm going to tell one of my favorite verses from Job. One of my ministry has, you know, God's mercy, I have had a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him through the years by God's mercy, as many of you have. I don't know what the day will hold, but I know who holds the day. And I've studied, because of my call, just the spirit of wisdom and prophecy years ago in the 80s. It started it off. I had a friend before computers. Her husband had a computer at his office, and he gracefully ran off all the scriptures, no commentary, just all the scriptures in the Bible. I think it's like an inch and a half, two inches thick. All the scriptures that had wisdom in it and revelation, and that was a gift. And I meditated on that and studied them and read them, even compiled them in a mini book that I just took to heart for a year and a half. And all of this, I believe, has come out, I know has come out of it, that knowing the Holy Spirit, having good family, praying a lot, reading the Word, and going to different meetings at the Lord's leading to jumpstart some of these things, like faith, at, when they were pure in heart, and different ones. Worship. So through the years, I would claim, I know the verses about that, such as Daniel 2.28, comes to God in heaven, who reveals secrets. Sometimes you're the secret. He is the revealer of secrets. Just believe that. If there's something you need to know about your life, your destiny, what's happening, what's not happening, that's a good one. Also, my first jump start for me personally was Jeremiah 33.3. I had come in before I I asked Jesus to be live in my heart at 9, rededicated my heart at 12, listening to Billy Graham outside my mother's, grandmother's door when she watched him on TV. I didn't want anybody to know it except God. And then when I was uh, 16, and I had gotten involved basically with an outshoot of the Jesus people in Virginia Beach where they bl wore blue jeans, and I shouted, Hallelujah! I didn't like getting dressed up. I didn't like performing even back then. So I went to the Bible study, and one day I came home from high school, and I'd been very timid. Oh, I was so quiet, and I wanted to, you know, I just couldn't figure out how to, how to not be, how to be more talkative and friendly, and I wanted to be popular, I think. But <clears throat> God was wise. He didn't allow that. <clears throat> I had friends. And I had, gave parties. My parents, it was, we were liberal. <laughs> they let me have parties. Where we had a three-piece, my best friend and I, she would always find us a group, three people, to play the you know, music edit. And we'd, my parents painted the garage floor so we could dance back then. We were not you know, overly religious. And, you know, we didn't drink or anything. But anyway, <clears throat> that's another story. So I was interested in relationships. I just didn't know how to have one myself. <laughs> Many. <laughs> I was a wallflower. I still am. Can be. I'm happy by myself. 
with God. But I like to interact as well. Introvert, extrovert, Myers-Briggs test style. So one day I came home from, tea, from school. Nobody was in the house. And I was a prisoner of self. That was my life. Good scholar. Oh, yes. Well-rounded. Uh, but just didn't know how to be free from self. So I go in the house and I turn on the TV to unwind. Nobody's there. And so I see this preacher and I'd heard of him He because I had just gotten interested in Jesus. And he was well known in Virginia Beach and he was talking about his testimony. And he said that when he was younger, he had experimented with James, excuse me, with Jeremiah 33, 3. And that says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you know not of. That's God talking to the prophet, the young prophet. And so I, he said he had experimented and he literally called out to God, Lord, show me great and mighty things I know not of. So since I was a closet adventurer, really adventurous and not afraid of the Holy Spirit or, or what God might do, I didn't have that. So I thought, I'm going to do it. Nobody's around. I'm going to see what happens if I cry out to God for him to show me great and mighty things. So remember, I was a quiet observer, and I did that with nobody around. I said, Lord, Lord, show me great and mighty things I know not of. And I was experimenting to see what would happen. Well, when, I, when that happened, nothing happened. But later, as I walked out my life the next few weeks, I noticed discerning things differently and better and more clearly. I was more, it was no bells and whistles. I've never had that on me when I've met the Holy Spirit. I've had, I really haven't had anyone, any, God never has taken control over me. My grandmother, who is a wise woman of God, a leader, she once told me, and it's helped me through my life, God is a gentleman. He will never take you, you know, do things he shouldn't. He will never take control and dominate you. And I thought, you're right. I didn't feel it. I just felt like, oh, a gentle lifting of my perceptions and my re revelation. And that happened to me after I asked for the Holy Spirit and a prayer language. It, this, nothing happened, nothing shaking, nothing you know, falling or dropping. It was just like, oh yeah, later, nothing happened. I'll walk on. And then all of a sudden something dawned on me. Oh yeah, I never thought about life or God or my call like that before. So it's gentle, which is James 3.17, that the wisdom that comes from above, tie that in, the wisdom that comes from above, that says it's from above is first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated. That means respectful, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. And that's so true. That's so right. So anyway, I that Jeremiah 33.3 jumpstart was a huge, turned out to be a big deal in hindsight than I thought. Later, when I met the Holy Spirit and it got to be, you know, more of a call or grown up, Daniel 2.28, if you read the book of Daniel, and you know that Daniel, though he's famous in some people's eyes, he was not self-righteous and he was called, but he didn't have it easy. He was also called as a young person, a teenager, jerked out of his comfort zone and taken captive where his gifting and his call from God and his heart toward God, pure heart, and his fellow believers there, the true ones of the Hebrew faith, got attention and he had favor with the powers that be, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, in Daniel 2.28, one day the king calls everyone in, the soothsayers, the psychics, and Daniel, the prophet. 
And he says, I want all of you to tell me about my nightmare, what it was in depth and what it means. Now, it's something to tell a, a person the meaning of their dream. But to tell the whole dream and the meaning is big. So all the soothsayers departed, all the psychics and all. Daniel went back to his prayer team and they got in with God. And God revealed to the King Nebuchadnezzar about his dream, what it was. And then the meaning of that dream. So when it came time, the king had said, I will reward everybody with all this financial prosperity, whatever they want. So when Daniel goes and he tells the king his, the dream itself that God told him, and he tells the king the interpretation of the dream, the king is ready to give accolades and gifts and finances. And here's what Daniel says. In Daniel 2, 28 through 30, it says, But, the, but God, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. But did, God didn't tell me these things to make me rich and famous to get reward. He wanted you, O king, to know what was inside your own heart. So that struck me. It isn't about making money off of God. God can provide a reward, but the idea of Daniel's heart was pure. And he said, God... Use this because you were so crusty and so negative and so far off from God that you couldn't hear anything. And God uses to get your attention. He is the revealer of your own heart to you. And that has been a precept of mine that I try to say, Lord, if I think I know myself, I think I might know all this stuff or know you or know more or, or whatever. I don't want to be in competition, but I think I might just get crusty myself living in the world in this day. So since the long time ago, 25 years, maybe 30, by God's grace, I stumbled upon this and I just said, Lord, would you please reveal to me if there's something I don't know about myself, that I have fear, that I have uh, hurt, unforgiveness or anything big that I don't know about. I'm downtrodden. I don't know why. What is it, Lord, or about myself? And so he does over time. It's not a plastic Let's do it tomorrow and tonight I get it. It's like standing on his word type thing. Well, I didn't know. And this, I guess it was like maybe 35, 40 years ago when I had a kid, child, firstborn. I heard when I started doing that, that why am I so nervous and feel like a failure about when I'm with people, certain people, like a perfectionist. Why am I, why can't I forgive myself if I make a mistake and I can forgive anyone else? And the Lord showed me things because I wasn't raised abused. I wasn't raised raw. I wasn't treated with respect nicely. But the devil knows that's it. The devil is your opponent from an early age. I remember things that would make me miserable, just the, you know, warfare, but, but that's just part of the turf. You have to tr understand it. You got the call. Some of you. Many of you, most of you, all right, to a musician, hear God, whatever, be successful. So I said, Lord, well, what is it? And he said, you want to help people, and I want you to help people. But unless you learn how to forgive yourself when you mess up, I can't use you. You can say you love and forgive everybody, but unless you, if you're going to be there beating yourself up for days after you make a simple mistake... Not even all that bad. You're just not perfect. And I realized I'd grown up without my parents knowing it, but a culture of performance and expecting that I should achieve and I should be uh, 
a success. I should have lots of whatever it is, material possessions, but basically achievement academics. I should be this way. I should be that way. And that was not them saying it. It was the culture, the osmosis that you pick up in that studious, intellectual, whatever it is, the book learning type field or the human relationship field. And see, my dad was the opposite. He was very smart. He'd gotten his uh, nearly PhD, just never published his thesis. He graduated from seminary and college and all that. My mother had her almost her master's. She gave it up to, you know, she didn't really care. <laughs> After a while, she went to have a family and settled down. But anyway, so people were underlying in my grand, they were well-read, well-educated from my whole whole family and the background of my grandmother and mothers on both sides, you know. Anyway, but the point is, nobody cared about that, your education. They cared about yourself, your relation, who you are inside. And that's how I grew up also. And that helps me a whole lot today. They were, nobody said it, but the whole family was James 3.17 oriented. And Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, mutual respect and mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. So I just had that around me. I was hanging around it. So you, when you're not around that, you know the difference. That's the bottom line, discernment. But I still, with all that, felt in, inadequate and I had fear, big fear of people, you know, people pleasing and that is what it's taken this long to get me rid of, finally. So I am telling you a principle that I'm submitting to you that many times we could use God's word and say, Father, I don't know why I'm stuck in this quagmire in my life for this long. I don't know why I'm lying here feeling that bad about myself, that pitiful and poor, or why I have this rage issue or whatever it would be. And you go to the Lord and say, Father, you are the revealer of secrets, Daniel 2.28. Would you please reveal and let me know so I can get out of this closet? And then if you need to, go get counsel, go get therapy, go get, you know, get a job, you know, get what you're supposed to get and God will tell you. Here's the one for today. Job, Job 5, excuse me, Job 3, and we're going to go there in a minute. One of the things about whether you're supposed to, as a minister, have work or not work, whatever your tent making job is. And any other thing about choices, about life, your children, about school and staying in a location or leaving, you're going to have to hear God for yourself, not depend upon all these other people who know more, who don't know as much or whatever. In John, there is a scripture that I hadn't planned on searching today. I think it's John 15, 16 or around there. You can Google it. It says, the spirit of tr once the spirit of truth has come... The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. So what we're saying is in the Christian community, individually, because it's New Testament, when the spirit of truth has come, how does it come? You invite Jesus into your heart, into your heart. Then you have the Holy Spirit as his inward witness and the Bible to help you make just choices. Hear God clearly. And that says you can claim it. And when the spirit of truth has come, he he, the Holy Spirit, confirming, will guide you. He wants to guide you into all truths, whether it's about your house, whether it's about your life, whether it's about your being under the law or not, freedom. It's about 
counsel. It's so many things. Those are just some things to put out there to draw on. Let's go back to Job. And this is a verse I've taught on many times. It says, Job 33, 14, For God speaks once, yes, twice, but man, that means humans, perceive it not. In a dream, in a vision, in the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon their bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Complex. Maybe overly complex. That's Job 33, 14 through 17. But let me break this down. It says, God speaks and all these people are not hearing. And why are they not hearing? Sometimes they are blocked by stumbling blocks such as pride and this is what he's saying our brains in the natural human brains are filled with it we could be filled with resistance resentment false teaching knowing it all on a given day and there may be a fresh need for God to give you a fresh view of things or instruct you or impart something give you an idea of wisdom supernatural wisdom that will help you clear up your mess he wants you to get out of it. And it won't be a quick, quick, quick. It'll be like a, re a revelation ongoing, a process. This is about process. Maybe you have a lot of accusation. You can't tell that you're accusing or assessing that you've been accused, that you maybe are acting too accusing. You, don't, you accuse yourself. The devil does that. So you want to know revelation and fine points of discernment. This is the talk. So you can go back <clears throat> to God and say, <clears throat> Lord, you say you speak to me, but I'm not hearing you. I can't hear you. I don't understand how to do it, whether you're male or female. All right. I don't understand it. But Lord, sometimes you, I do get dreams and maybe they're spooky. Sometimes I get these dreams and I don't know what to do. Should I complain? Should I you get afraid? What is it? It says sometimes he'll use a vision in the night when deep sleep falls on your bed you know why I mentioned this this is mentioned because our consciousness our soul realm mind will and emotions wars against the Holy Spirit because we're carnal we have European thinking British thinking American thinking cultural thinking Greek thinking Egyptian thinking all right from the terms Bible terms of Egypt that means the world system of Babylon or something and then Egypt, uh, Greek thinking natural logic which overrules and creates doubt humanistic things avoids supernatural reality so we can have God will try to communicate and he'll give us things that are veiled enigmatic mysterious and you have to know what is God and what is spooky God is not spooky and I'm going to give you some verses it says, because when we get these supernatural things, visions, ideas, recurring thoughts, it says, he opens the ears of man and seals their instruction. He uses unusual things because people really want to naturally avoid hearing God. Clearly, they, they want to avoid following God naturally because we're human. 
And he says he will wait till they're asleep because then at least their pride will be inactive. So pride is a giant thing in our culture today, in our life, even leadership. So you want to claim that when God speaks, he is the revealer that he will help you discern if pride or something arrogant or just all-knowing or something is blocking it, false teaching, false interpretation of scripture back under the law, for instance, false counsel. I'm going to apply two verses for discernment of voices. Apostle Paul writes in, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians 14.10 or vice versa, 10.14. I think it's 14.10 part C. Paul happens to mention there are many voices in this world and each one has significance. You could have, let's say, the voice of fear in your heart. When you close your eyes, that's when you know about the voices. All right, you can have anxiety. You can have peace. You can have people that have really given you voices on your cell phone message, on your your teaching on TV media, on your own thoughts about life, on your own interpretations and twisting of doctrine. Uh, mama's voice, the background voices, the noises in the the culture of voice member things. So there are many voices. The It Is Written says there are many voices. Nothing you know, particularly unusual. It's just you need to hear for you about discerning which voice to follow, which voice is really God, and which voice is faith, and which is fear, which is spooky, and which is controlling, about to control you as a Christian, as a leader. And if you have voices that are demonic, maybe, then you either need to go get deliverance ministry, that's a thought, Know your theology, know your Bible, renew your mind. Get out of control of the enemy, the devil, and then get somebody to pray for you, some leader, and give you counsel. But I'm talking to the leader and the people who are just ready to understand this and perceive for themselves how to do this better and train others, maybe. When I've studied and used and evaluated and criteria use criteria for discerning a voice that's positive, hopeful from the Lord, I really go to James 317, 2 Timothy 1 7 as my basic criteria for assessing, not not using a formula, but I'm assessing the wisdom that I hear in a nightmare or dream. If you get a nightmare or dream, you have to know what that means. So we're going to say, James 3.17, any wisdom, run this past your dream, advice, counsel, what I say, and so forth. Any wisdom that comes from above has got to meet the criteria of being pure, pure-hearted, peaceful, pure peaceable. Doesn't leave you feeling spooky, anxious, worked up, ready to hit somebody, afraid. All right, the wisdom that really represents God in discernment and counsel is the wisdom is, first of all, pure. No secret agenda, no false motive to use you. All right, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, will respect you even if you disagree, will not fight to prove their point, not have to be self-righteous to say, not give you the silent treatment and shun you and avoid you if they don't like what you think or say or believe. It's respectful. 
The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy, grace, patience, giving, all right? Not self-seeking, full of mercy and good fruit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, temperance, self-control, goodness. All those things would come into play if it's from God and the dream or anything else, any wisdom. Without partiality, doesn't play favorites, doesn't have pets, isn't a hip, isn't a, uh, isn't an impo isn't a person who is partial to one race or one look or one gender or one style or one denomination. They respect all equally. With is not hypocritical, is not two-faced, phony, a faker, an accuser, smile to your face and backbite when you're gone, that type of thing. All right. The other wonderful discernment for wisdom, for ideas, for recurring thoughts, for dreams, visions, would be 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me a spirit of fear. The real God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. His Holy Spirit power, comforting, stabilizing, lifting, affecting in a positive fashion, a calm fashion. Now you can be, some word can be sober, like a reminder, wake up call, reproving, correction. It can be sober, but it doesn't accuse you. It doesn't make you feel spooky. It's not self-righteous. So the wisdom that comes from above, it says, God has not given me a spirit of fear. All right. You better or you'll burn. You know what I mean? There is a warning and a somberness. You do have to be warned. There is a sober side of God, really. There is a sober, holy fear of the Lord. It is eternal, what we're deciding right now. I'm not going to minimize that. But it's not to use it, to work it, to pressure somebody or force them out of fear. The Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts of evil. He does not beat people down to get them to follow Jesus or any kind of God. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, his power. His power can be supernatural, wonder-working Holy Ghost power. His power can be quiet, inner strength, stability, calm in the midst of uncertain situations, various things. He's given me power, his spirit, not given me a spirit of power, but love and a sound mind. It's not oppressive. It's not leading that is oppressive or puts you under the guilt trip or makes you feel distressed because it's such a hard word or such a forced word upon you or power and a sound mind it makes you feel like up, not low or depressed, oppressed. So these things I just want to run past, put it out there today for your discernment, your thoughts, your prayers. You hear God for yourself. You take up your BYOB. Bring your own Bible. Be the noble Berean. That's part of working out your own salvation and being an active Christ follower. But God is good. You know, people are... When you deal with people, God's people, some leaders were raised around a culture that was rough. Some people were raised with loud in their church. And loud, forceful, that's what they felt is Holy Spirit. Give them grace. Give them respect. Some people are quiet. Some people don't want to 
some people are loving, they just don't show it. So give them respect and let everyone have a difference. When I spoke, I, I, when I spoke one time, I took the place at a national meeting in the 90s when I was much younger, and I was I took the place of a very a Holy Spirit tongue talker, powerful woman preacher who couldn't get there because they're playing. It was at a national tri-state convention of full gospel in Virginia Beach at CBN. Funny. I'm, I was, I'm much more wild than I am ever been, more untamed. But back then, I was still known around the area and still had a ministry letter. So they invited me to fill in their place. And I realized that, this is my opinion now, that when I grew up, where I used to be, not Dallas, but before I got here, when the Holy Spirit came, I did watch how it unfolded, and there were certain groups that were more dominating and Bible beat down and more prone to boss. I went to one meeting. It was not in Virginia. I went down on a trip. The Lord led me to different states. I went to one state of Florida, and I happened to be a quiet person. I'm just quiet. And we were in a meeting. You're supposed to, this one person who is the leader was walking through the midst while we had early morning prayer, and she wanted everybody. She demanded everybody be loud. And I'm, I knew the Holy Spirit. I was mature and emotionally healthy. And she was, I think, used to dealing with people that weren't. So I was hearing God like I would for my own ministry, and I was praying in the Spirit, but I wasn't praying loud. And so she, this person is very dominating and comes up and says, Pray louder! <laughs> like that. And I went, oh my, because people are black and white, etched in concrete, religious spirit, and I don't perform for anybody. I respected her, that was her turf, but I didn't want to be around that kind of turf, so therefore I purposely make it low-key, it is between you and God, if you want to be loud, don't be loud and bossy around me, but if you want the Holy Spirit, go for it, if you are timid, be quiet. I am much more happy with reserved people than I am with dominating, forcing controllers. And I put it out there like that. You want to be James 3.17, easily entreated, respectful of all. All right, full of mercy to all, respectful of all. So you learn through experience. I've had a lot of interesting things with people that say, you know, people in the Holy Spirit. I have a lot of interesting things when I've dealt with different movements and people who said they were mature and in those movements, but you have to deal with them and have real life with them and you have to have meetings and you're the leader and they're the, oh my heavens, that turf is huge. I'll have to tell you one day because they're amazing. It was not like I ever experienced with my father, the pastor. <laughs> you can follow the Holy Spirit. However, if you're going to sit there and you're going to be Oh, you know, causing everybody to wait on you because you want to enjoy being mellow in the fellowship of the presence of God when it's time for you to be part of the relationship respecting community and think of other people and not be self-absorbed, then you have to know that that is Jesus to say, I can park myself and hang out with God and the Holy Spirit and His power another time, but right now they're wanting to close the doors. All these people are waiting and it's time to say bye-bye and go home. So we've dealt with relationship respect issues a long time. My thing is, a lot of things that when people are 
disrespectful, accusing in a leadership Christian sense. I've noticed when there's backbiting, where there's a lot of official pomp and ceremony, but not much love, those people, and I'm assessing it, I hope, I'm not accusing. Those people usually have come from beaten down backgrounds, and it looks like they are hurting for money almost, almost, almost every time when they are that aggressive. So we want to put that out there too. God is good. Let's do love. Let's do James 3.17. Let's do hearing from God, but not back under the law. God bless you. This is Tavo DRC. We speak respect to every office, every kind of people, every kind of faith, every kind of color from this place, whether we have talked about one of your doctrinal fruits that isn't really healthy, that didn't mean I don't like you. I can love you. God loves you. But I just want to talk about some fine points for the body of Christ for this end time move. And I'm presenting it as a sila in a sober sense, not as an accuser sense. And I submit it in James 3.17 form. Equal opportunity, real respect. God bless you. God loves you. You have a great day in Jesus Christ. Bye-bye. Blessings.